Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining in today. This is the book club, and I am Bethiah. I thought we would talk about Moses for a few minutes, just a brief outline of his life. His name comes from a um, Hebrew verb, Moshe, or Moses, and it actually means to be drawn out, to pull out, born out of water. And he was literally drawn out of the river Nile. Uh, At the time of Moses' birth, his people, the Israelites, were slaves. They were Egyptian slaves. And not only were they enslaved, there was actually a royal decree ordered the execution of all the Israelite male children at birth. Well, I tell you, his mother was not going to have it. So she devised a plan. She built a a little basket, wove it out of the reeds from the river, and she placed Moses in this little basket. She set him down on the side of the bank because she knew that Pharaoh's daughter came there to bathe. Now, I've heard it said that she had a skin condition, and she would go out to the river, and and she would bathe. Well, she has all these hand servants with her. Back in those days, you didn't have to do anything. You had all these slaves did everything for you. So anyway, she's out there, she's bathing, and they hear a noise. And she tells one of the handmaids to go get it. And they discover a little baby boy. They had no idea he was a Hebrew. And his parents come out of the tribe of Levi. And he's scooped up out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. So, as I told you last time, he grew up in the palace. He grew up with the best of everything, the best food, the best clothes, the best education. God was preparing Moses, and God was preparing a people. He's considered the most important prophet in Judaism, and he's certainly most one of the most important prophets in Christianity. And Moses is mentioned by name, of, I think, about 80 times in the New Testament. Well, he had the best of everything. But he let anger take control of him. He saw this Hebrew slave being beaten by the Egyptian um, slave master. Moses killed the slave master. And then then he tried to run from God. Have you ever tried to run from God? Uh, How many times have I? I can't, I don't even know. I don't know a number. But we all do. We mess up. We make mistakes. And then we try to run, run away from it or try to cover it up. Well, Moses fled. He left. Well, guess what? God said, nope, that ain't the way the plan is. So he sent him all the way back into Egypt. And it took some time and it took some plagues. But Moses led the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt all the way across the Red Sea. And they based themselves at Mount Sinai. And that is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And after wandering around for 40 years in the desert, Moses died within sight of the Promised Land. So he freed a people and he started a nation. I would ask you to go to Exodus 3 and read about Moses. If you look in Exodus 3, 2 through 6, that's when he has the vision in the burning bush. Exodus 3, 4 through 15, the idea of one God manifested to him. 
See, they worshipped idols. They had many gods. Exodus 3.10, God reveals to Moses what his purpose was. And I would tell you too, go to Psalms 90 and read the prayer of Moses. The world was against Moses from the very beginning. The world was against Moses before he was even born. But see, God had a plan, and Moses obeyed. He tried to run from God, but God scooped him back up. And you know, that's what God does for us. If we'll listen and obey and believe on him. Genesis 1-2 And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We're going to really dissect that second verse. We're going to go back and look at the Hebrew words. We're going to go back at the Septuagint and look at the Greek word. You know, what what translation of the Bible are you working off of? See, it can get tricky. So, having said that, the earliest known Hebrew writing goes back about the 10th century B.C. during the time of King David's reign. But now, let's, that's, that's the Hebrew. Now, let's fast forward sometime around the 3rd through the 1st, somewhere in that time frame, B.C., is when the Septuagint was written. And the Septuagint is in Greek. Septuagint simply means 70 because they got 70 of the brightest Hebrew scholars to go word by word to translate the Old Testament into the Greek Septuagint. So I'll ask again, what translation of the Bible are you reading out of? I will tell you, I prefer the King James Version. I don't really see anything wrong with the New King James Version. But there are some of these Bibles out there that are not word-for-word translation. They're phrase-by-phrase or thought-by-thought. And really better be paying attention. And that's the reason we're going we're gonna to look at some of the Greek and some of the Hebrew words as we go through here. You know, Satan changed around some words to deceive Eve. Words are extremely important. So we have to look closely at them and we have to pay attention. I will tell you, verse 2 is an interesting verse for me. There are endless number of books written about it. There's countless number of arguments, discussions about it. And I don't know the correct answer. I don't know the correct answer. But I find it a fascinating verse. And I believe God inspired it to be written that way. You know, the Bible tells us we're to seek it out. We're supposed to seek out the scripture. And I said before, Bible is like a puzzle You open up the Bible, you open up this box with all these pieces. We have to put them together. We have to, this one goes here, no, maybe it goes up there. We have to put the pieces together and it'll make sense. And and we'll have a better understanding. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to put the pieces together. I'm not trying to sell you any view. I am not. I'm simply trying to understand the Word, and we can learn together. We can study together. We can understand together. And having said that, you can email me if you don't agree with my comments, if you have suggestions, if you have questions, a topic you'd like to talk about with me, 
We can have a discussion about it. The book club with Bethia at Gmail. I, I welcome them all. This verse brings up a lot of questions. The origin of Satan. When was he created? When were the angels created? The gap theory. Have you ever heard of the gap theory? So those are a few things we're going to talk about as we try to understand this verse. That first word, an, it's a conjunction, and it's pronounced vav, V-A-V. In the Septuagint, that word is but. Now, as I told you, the Bible was written in Hebrew, and it was translated over into the, into the Greek language. Back in those days, most of the people spoke Greek. Greek language is very precise. And as I said, in the Septuagint, it's not an, it's but. And it's used several times throughout the Bible. And, and, and most of the time, it suggests uh, a time delay. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures you can look back on and read them and, and, and understand what I mean. If we look at Exodus 2, 1 through 2, there's an eight-year period, a time delay, eight years. Deuteronomy 10, 5 through 6, there's a 38-time period. Ezekiel 6, 22, Ezekiel 7, 1, that encompasses about a 58-year time period. And I'm not trying to sell any particular understanding. I'm just trying to point things out to you so you can investigate for yourself and, and pray over it and, and, and look look into it yourself. But as I said, that first word in the Septuagint is translated as but. And that would suggest there was a gap between one and two. Okay, now let's look at that word was. It's translated haya. H-A-Y-A-H, meaning had become or became. And because of the word order, it's a translated verb, and it requires action on an object. Let's look at Genesis 19.26. We find the word again, Haya, H-A-Y-A-H. When Lot's wife became Haya, a pillar of salt. So it's a transitive verb requiring action. Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. She turned. So when those two words, that and and that was, are translated properly, it would read, but the earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That changes a lot. Those two little words changes a lot. And it does suggest, emphasis on suggest, that something may have happened between verse 1 and verse 2. Now, here are two more interesting words. Without form and void. Translated tohu, wabohu. Tohu, without form, formless, or confusion, and wabohu, void, confusion, and emptiness. Let's look at, for just a minute, Isaiah thirty-four eleven. But the cormorant and the Briton shall possess it, the owl also, and the raven shall dwell in it, 
and he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. We find that word confusion, that tohu, without form, confusion, and emptiness, wabohu, confusion, and void. Same wording in one, two. So you might say, what in the world are you talking about? The word cormant is a, what we would call a pelican, and that bitten is what we would call a hedgehog. And there were unclean animals. There were unclean fowl. The same with the owl and the raven. Unclean. Unclean creatures. And they delight to dwell in desolate and ruinous places. But we see here, he shall stretch out upon the line of confusion. Total destruction. Nothing left but confusion and, and emptiness. Same wording as in one, two. Tohu wabohu. So now we're at, but the earth became without form and void, without form and confused, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness and deep, that's two of the three elements of chaos in Tohu wabohu. Two of the three elements. So I got a question for you. Who's the author of confusion? Is God the author of confusion? I would say absolutely not. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4.33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So we see very clearly that God is not the author of confusion. So let's look at one more scripture. Isaiah 45.18 For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. And this is God saying this, I am the Lord and there is none else. So I'm just going to say this. It's pretty clear to me. God is not the author of confusion. He has order. There's no chaos or emptiness or void or waste in the Lord. So I think we'll stop there for today. And when we get back together on Monday, we'll talk about this darkness. The darkness that was upon the face of the deep. And we'll talk about the Spirit of God moving. Doesn't that sound interesting? The Spirit of God is hovering. I'll leave you with a couple of questions. When were the angels created? When did Satan fall? Because we know at Genesis 3, Satan's already fell. So I have another question for you. Are you confused? Are you living a life full of chaos? emptiness, loneliness, void. If you are, you need to seek the Lord because he'll take care of all that loneliness. He'll take care of the void. He'll take care of the emptiness because he's not the author of confusion. Satan is the deceiver, the one who will deceive you and he will do everything in his power to get you out of God's will, to interrupt the relationship you have with God. And if you allow it, 
If you laid back and let it happen, there's only two choices. You're either going to heaven or hell. It's very easy. It's heaven or hell. It's doing it right, trying to do it right, waking up every morning, trying, striving to do better. We have to strive toward perfection. We have to be Christ-like. We have to be like Christ. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're going to mess up over and over and over again. But we have to continue to pick ourselves up, repent of our sins, and ask the Lord to forgive us. We have to stay in God's Word. We have to pray to God. We have to talk to God. And guess what? We have to be quiet and hear from God. I thank you for joining me today. I really do. I really enjoy spending time. I enjoy the studying. I enjoy I enjoy the time with the Lord. So I thank you for listening. I hope that you join me again. And we're going to close with a with a prayer. Father, we come to you today thanking you for the glorious heavens and earth that you created for us, Father. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. Father, we would ask you to keep us in your will, Father. Keep us on your path, Father. Father, we would ask you to forgive us of our sins, Father. Help us, Father, to understand your word. Help us gain a better understanding, Father. We ask these things in your holy, precious name. Amen.